was just such a helpless feeling to be sitting at home in the recliner, and I know my husband's in the hospital fighting for his life. Welcome to the Oakley Podcast, Trucking, Business, and Family. This show is brought to you by Oakley Trucking, headquartered in North Little Rock, Arkansas. The purpose of this podcast is to communicate with Oakley owner-operators and their families by giving them up-to-date information concerning Oakley Trucking and the trucking industry. From business advice to safety updates to success stories. Also to give an insight to outside truck drivers that might be interested in joining the Oakley family. Welcome to the Oakley Podcast, Trucking Business and Family. I'm Jeremy Killett, Director of Recruiting here at Oakley Trucking, and I'm your host for this podcast. This is episode 64. So on today's podcast, we're going to visit with Jeff and Loretta Bledsoe. Jeff is an owner-operator with Oakley Trucking and is going to share his miracle story, is what I call it. And uh, they're going to share it with us. He has spent 96 days in the hospital last year and with COVID, and it was as close, close to death experience as uh, he's ever had. And he is now on the road to recovery. He's going to share his story with everyone here listening to the Oakley podcast. So very much appreciate them coming up and doing this. And we're going to visit with them here in just a second. But before uh, we get started, let's uh, do our driver spotlight sponsored by Aero Truck Sales. Keith Wilson and Trey down in Springfield, Missouri, those guys do a fantastic job on selling trucks to owner-operators that are looking to come on to Oakley Trucking and just want to make sure you guys know about them. We've dealt with them a long time. Uh, they are no leases, straight financing, uh, specializing first-time truck buyers, five-year newer tractors, all makes and models, less than 400,000 miles. They, they run a great program there. The best thing I like about them is service after the sale. Be sure and uh, tell them you heard all this on the Oakley podcast, and they'll also give you a choice of $600 worth of fuel or $600 truck accessories or they'll pay half your first month payment if you finance with transport funding. Check them out. Call Keith Wilson at Aero Truck Sales, 573-216-6047. Give them a call and let them know you heard it on the Oakley Podcast. So Driver Spotlight is something new. I started last week and wanted to do a little something different. And we're doing that this week with two new owner-operators with Oakley Trucking, just to give you a little a little insight of what's going on with some of our guys here at Oakley Trucking. The first one is Frank Hinkle. Don't know if everybody knows Frank, but he's been here since I think 09 and he pulls an end up for us. He lives in Springfield, Missouri. And Frank hasn't worked since maybe October of last year. He has had some concussion and brain problems and can't get steady enough to be released to drive a truck again. So our thoughts and prayers go out to Frank and his family. It was I talked to him last week, and it was very hard for him to turn everything in because we, we've been holding off on hoping he would get released to come back to work, but he called last week and said it just wasn't going to happen and going to have to sell a truck and, and move on. And hate that for Frank. Hope he does. He, he said, if I ever do get back to – they let me drive, I'll be right back at Oakley. So good luck to you, Frank. Stay in touch with us. The other one I wanted to talk about – and uh, congratulate is Ron Hayden. He's been with us seven years. He pulls a hopper bottom. He's out of Sedalia, Kentucky. Just a just a great guy. I'm going to tell you, that you, you want to hear positive things come out of somebody, you talk to Ron Hayden. And he is just a breath of fresh air. Excellent with customer service skills. Takes care of our equipment all the time. And, and Ron Hayden is an asset to Oakley Trucking. And I just want to say congratulations on his seven years and, and representing Oakley Trucking well. So... 
Appreciate everybody listening to the Oakley Podcast. Once again, every week, we tell you guys to please get out on YouTube, on social media, and like us, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, make comments down there best you can to try to get the word out about Oakley Trucking and the Oakley Podcast. We appreciate everybody's help and input. So, All right, well, let's get cranked up with this week's episode, and I have Jeff and Loretta Bledsoe in the office with me today, and we're going to talk about their story uh, with COVID and amongst other things and how it's affected their life and where they're at now. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Good um, to be here. Boy, it's it's glad to see you. I know that. Yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming in and doing this because I know you it's bet. been a tough road, man, for sure. Yeah. Tell everybody who you are, first of all, okay. I guess. that that Let's start there, Jeff. I'm Jeff Bledsoe. I'm owner-operator here at Oakley Trucking. My truck number's 9558, and I've been here since November of 19. 19. 19, yeah. Wife, Loretta. And, and this is my wife, Loretta. Loretta Bledsoe. Hey, Loretta. How long y'all been married? 24 years. 24. Kids? Got five. Five. Wow. Kids, hers, and ours, but we awesome. got five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had two when we got together, and she had one. Awesome. And then we had two together. So we've like, had a house full for a long like time. Sounds like a great Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Lots of company. They yes, all live sir. around you pretty close? Yeah. I have one daughter that moved to Wisconsin last year, but we stay in touch on the phone, and I've been to see her once. But being down, we hadn't had the opportunity to go back up there. Right. And y'all are in but Sulphur Springs, we're Texas. We're in Sulphur Springs, Texas, yeah. You lived there your whole life? My whole life. So for, we got a lot of guys from around that Yeah, area. there's so a bunch for, of them. You can't throw a rock without hitting an Oakley truck. <laughs> yeah. Now, what do you do, Loretta? Went to school for for being a nurse, and I was a nurse when Jeff and I met. And then after we started building our family and having kids, I've been a stay-at-home mom. Nice. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And what do y'all do in your free time? What's the hobbies? What's the, the fun stuff to do? Well, I have a fun one. I'm a minister. All right. And I have... A couple of friends that have churches that when they're off, I step in and preach for them. Good for you. Yeah. Over at the Crimson River Cowboy Church. They're in Cooper. Cooper, Texas. Yep. Cooper, Texas. Good. And what about you, Lorraine? I have recently acquired a new hobby, and it is hunting arrowheads. So I go hiking and go down to the river. There's um, a riverbed close to where we live and man i have just really enjoyed the time in nature and getting a little bit of peace and quiet because you know i've been jeff's main caregiver since november of last year right and so now that he's up a little bit stronger and i can i can leave him for a little while you know i Get really back. recharge when mm -hmm. i go out and do that you found some good ones three so far Oh. Which I just, it's a new hobby. I just, just started. started. Yeah, but you I know, found three. It reminds me back in uh, Biggers, Arkansas, where I'm from up in Northeast Arkansas, that every year um, that when people tilled up the ground for the farm, you know, they got ready to plant, man, there would be people walking yeah. the farm out there and looking for arrowheads and mm -hmm. just have a, it was, it was neat to find a bunch of them, you know. I didn't do much of that. I think I did that when I was a little kid. Seemed like mom took me out there or somebody, but uh, yeah. you always see people. I'm sure they still do it. Yeah, up there. So, anyway, good stuff. Well, yeah. good, good, good to hear from you guys. Good that you came up here and share this story. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a lot. So you know, you listeners out there, we, we may go on for a little while here because I think this is a, a story I personally want to hear and haven't heard all the details. 
But I, I think it's something that we all need to hear. And I want to, especially since you're one of ours, you guys are one of ours at Oakley Trucking and, and, and even Jeff, I don't know if he said this a while ago, but he was with us back in the nineties. Yeah. You know, ninety-six and seven. Yeah. Back in my yep. early days too. I remember yep. you being here before. So let's let's dive off into this story okay. that we've got. So we're Jeff was currently an owner operator with us. This was back in what, November? So mm-hmm. all of a sudden one day you wake up and you gotta go to the hospital. Is that yeah, how this well, started? I got fever. I mean, 102.8's where it started, and it got as high as 104 point something or other. But, you know, I thought, man, I got the flu. I don't get sick very often, so I waited it out a couple of days, about three days, and finally I told my wife, I said, I'm not getting better. This fever's getting higher, and I couldn't get rid of it. So I go down to the local clinic, and they give me the COVID test. While I'm sitting in a pickup, they won't even let you come in the office. And they said, yeah, you got it. You know, mm. go to the pharmacy, get vitamin D or something. I forgot what it was. So I go back home. And two days later, I'm so sick that I started having fever seizures. And I bumped my head pretty good on the way to the ground. So they called the ambulance and they was going to carry me to the Silver Springs Hospital. And I didn't care too much for that idea. So we went to Greenville. Well, we get to Greenville about 5.30 in the morning, and I sat there till about 5 o'clock that afternoon. They had no rooms. No, they checked with all the hospitals in Dallas. They didn't have no rooms. So when they called down at Tyler, they had a room. They said, yeah, send him down here. So I wind up down at Tyler at Mother Francis Hospital. And Loretta can't come with me. When she dropped me off at Greenville, that was it. They wouldn't let you come in. So when I got down there, they give me an infusion of antibodies. You know, someone who had had COVID, they, he said, I'm going to start there. And they'd give me some other stuff, but they did that. That's the last thing I remember. So for a, another 32 or 33 days, I was unconscious, but I was being put on the vent. You know, I couldn't breathe for myself. That like, quick. That quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like that. And I guess you can take over from there because. You don't remember anything. I don't remember anything. <laughs> and she can tell you it's a. I tell everybody this is her testimony a lot because she was just left alone. I can't make no truck decisions, no house decisions. She's got it on her own. And then here I am in the hospital. They're telling her, not looking good. We're not going to give you no false hope. It's just not looking good. He may may not make it. This was was within a week that you had the fever? Yes. Yes. I've never, I'm not one to be sick, but I have never been this sick, you know, in my life. And so I basically lost consciousness because they knocked me out to put me on the vent where they could help me breathe because I wasn't breathing for myself. Yeah, he, he held off making the decision to allow them to put him on the vent for about five days. And then after that five or six days, they they said, you know, we can give you comfort care if you choose not to go on the vent. So basically they were saying it's the vent or you're not going to make it. And back then, you know, that was probably when it was, if you got on the vent, yes. it, was, oh, yeah. that it was wasn't it. good. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we were really, I mean, he, he really suffered there a few days struggling for every single breath <laughs> because he was trying to not go on the vent because at that time, your chances for survival do decrease dramatically once you do go on the vent. And so it was just, it, we were at that point 
and he talked with our daughter. They did allow our daughter, which was an amazing blessing that doesn't normally happen. Because she worked on the COVID unit at the hospital that she works at, and she, you know, was exposed to COVID every day and was COVID negative, they said, okay, if you want to go in and see your dad and have that discussion with him, we're going to make an exception. So it was a it was an amazing blessing. I think he needed that because, you know, you you're so sick and none of your family can come. When the nurses come in, they're all, you know, gowned from head to toe. And it, it can be a scary, lonely experience. Oh, and bet. so he was just so overjoyed when he found out that Allison was going to get to come in and visit with him about his options. And was so, this before? So this was before the ventilator? Yes, okay. right before the ventilator. Yeah, I don't remember it. but mm. And so he ended up going on the ventilator after being in the hospital less than a week. And they, that had to be devastating oh, to you. Yes. And I was COVID positive myself. And so, you know, man, it was just such a helpless feeling to be sitting at home in the recliner, watching TV, eating a donut, you know, and, and I know my husband's in the hospital fighting for his life. So that was a that was a really hard. I think the hardest time for me was that first month where he was on the ventilator and the closest I could get to a visit with him after my COVID had cleared was they would allow me to drive to Tyler, which is a little bit over an hour drive and stand in front of his door, which had a window and blinds on it. And they would allow me to look at him, but, oh, I wanted to touch him so bad, you know, and, and as being a nurse myself, I mean, I knew it was bad. You know, I knew we we were in. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, at one day in particular, I was coming home and, and, you know, our faith is, is really central to both of our lives. And I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't upset. My heart was just broke. I mean, I had like a physical pain in my chest when I left there that day and I got to the stoplight and I just lost it. I mean, I did this. I was just leaned over the steering wheel sobbing because my heart was broke at what I saw, you know. And this gentleman that was parked beside me kind of waved me, a young man. And I, he finally got my attention. I looked over and he, he wrote his window down. He said, ma'am, are you OK? And I said, yeah, I'll be OK. You know, my husband's in the hospital and, and he's just real sick. And this young man reached his hand out to me and began to pray for me. Mm. And so I firmly believe that God put us in each other's paths for the encouragement that I needed at that moment, because I, in the beginning, would not allow myself to break down and cry because I felt like that meant I didn't have faith that God was going to see me through. But what I learned was tears don't negate our faith. It's okay to express those emotions. You know, even Jesus cried when he was here on earth. So that is just a natural. And once I allowed myself to do that, I was able to deal with things a little bit better. Yeah, it helps to let some of that out. I know. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, a lot of grown men don't want to cry, but I'm a crier. Yeah. I mean, I let her go. I let her go. I didn't cry for 40 something years, but boy, I love it. I'll cry three or four times during this podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. So you're you're 
you know, you're what, how far in a month into this? Mm -hmm. And now it's setting in that this is not just a, this is not just COVID. I'm Mm -hmm. in and out in a couple of weeks. This is, this is on ventilator. Things are serious. You can't communicate with him. Mm -hmm. You don't know what to do. You've Mm -hmm. still got life is going on. Yes. Bills are coming around you and and you got to do something. What happens? Yeah. (laughs) It's just sitting there. And one of the things that, um, a decision I had to make early on was our tithers, uh, tithes are set up to in an automatic draft every week, how much we have set aside for tithes. So I don't have to mess with that every week. It just automatically comes out. And in the, you know, when I realized, okay, this is not going to be a short term thing. The, the thought immediately came to my mind. Oh, wow. We have no income coming in. I need to get that tithe draft stopped. And mm. immediately God spoke to my heart. And he said, do you not trust that I will take care of you? And I was like, oh, okay, God. (laughs) (laughs) And so I made the decision right then and there. Okay, God, you know what's in our checking account. And if you're telling me to keep that tithe coming, I'll just keep it going. And I, I was just stunned at how Jeff's coworkers and the Oakley drivers Without any prompting, without me even asking, man, thousands of dollars began to come into our mailbox. I would open the mailbox. There would be a $2,000 check. I would open the mailbox. There was a 3,000. I mean, people that are living paycheck to paycheck, just like we were. And, and not to mention this was coming into December and Christmas time. And, you know, finances are usually tight for everyone in that month. And, and not just the money. I would get phone calls from people that knew Jeff, but I had never met. Some I'd never even heard their names before. And they would say, is there anything you need? Yeah. Is there anything we can do for you? People want to help. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's a that's an awesome story where you don't it even is. have to ask for it, mm-hmm. you know, and they know. That, they know. You know, these are you guys. These are Oakley guys, yeah. you yes. know, that, that are, yeah. but not just Oakley, but anybody, you anybody. know, whether they were at Oakley mm-hmm. or not. Yes. And that's just, uh, that's an awesome part of the story where, so you were able to continue mm-hmm. the tithe, continue paying mm-hmm. the bills yep. yes. and not knowing what's next. Yep. Not knowing we what's next. We haven't missed a payment. We've not been late on a payment. Nothing. We've not missed a payment. We've not been in want or need for anything. Yeah. We haven't even been close. Nope. That is fantastic, isn't it? I mean, that's how God is. And you still He's above and, and, and beyond. And that's been since November. November. Yeah, that was November the eighteenth when I went into the hospital. Okay. So I'd been sick since the fourteenth. So and here it is, June. Is it? And yeah, you're here still... it is, June. Mm-hmm. We're still I mean, we know it's him because it's miraculous. Yeah. If you can't explain it, it's God. And I can't explain it. So it's tell just... us about the part I'm assuming you came. To, I don't know yeah, the details, but we're, we're at, uh, really close the 29th, to it. I started coming to, but as my wife will tell you, it took three or four days. You know, first, they're unplugging me from a lot of this stuff that when you're on the vent and putting you on the stuff when you're in the hospital bed. So I'm still in pain. I still don't know what's going on. So a couple of days there, I had to get adjusted to it. And then we start talking well. We may talk about the same thing three or four times because we'll talk about it and we'll go a little while. Then I'll ask her again because I'm not remembering, you know, so that had to be tough on her. But I knew enough that I'd say, baby, that's fine. That's a good decision. You're doing great. 
you know, because we follow what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And and she was just following what God was telling her. You know, she would pray about it before she'd done something. God, what I do? She didn't know what to do. Right. And But just like the truck, you know, should I de-lease the truck? You know, should I do this? And she never did, you know, and she didn't know. I knew as a nurse, I knew it was going to be a very long recovery. And I just felt God saying, just leave it like it is. Mm -hmm. Just leave it there. And in my life, I've learned when you don't know what to do and you're not hearing a clear word from God, just don't do anything. He'll tell you when it's time. But, you know, about the second or third of January, I'm awake good. I know what's going on around me. That's when I started having trouble with my lungs. The COVID wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it was serious, but it attacked my lungs. Mm. So from about the 2nd of January until February, I'm in and out of the OR. They're doing all kinds of procedures. I have chest tubes. I wound up with eight. I'd have two, maybe three at one time, but not all of them at one time. But that's very painful. I bet it is. Very painful. And the first operation that I had, it was a... I think they were putting another chest tube in or something, you know, and I've got my eyes closed and I'm praying because at that point in time, I'm terrified, you know? Yeah, because you don't know. I don't know because it's not looking good from where I'm at. And I can't do nothing for myself. I've never been in that position in my life. I've always took care of myself, took care of my wife, my kids, whatever, never asked for help. I can't do anything. So anything that goes on with me, my wife or somebody at the hospital is having to do it. Yeah, and another story of a blessing is that Jeff was in ICU, and you know the, how the visiting hours are so strict on ICU, and especially with COVID. And when it finally got to the point that they allowed me to go into his room, I stayed with him from then on. You know, in ICU, and that hospital accommodated me. Mm-hmm. They deemed me his essential caregiver, which is normally like for maybe a child that uh, has disabilities or whatever. And, you know, it's going to require more care than what the nurse is going to, because, you know, some patients have to have someone with them 24 mm-hmm. 7. And so, anyway, they deemed me, his doctor did, his essential caregiver. And for the last two months of his hospital stay, other than the occasional going home and grabbing this or taking a night at home or most of the, most nights I was there. And so that had to be difficult. I'm sure living there. Yeah, yeah. it was. You it know. was that Tyler was our home. We lived out of that hospital room for, you know, the last 60 days. Mm. So you at that time you were conscious i'm assuming you had mm-hmm. all these surgery you had tubes so you got over covid but it attacked your COVID. lungs so you were mm-hmm. having lung surgery yeah they were trying to to keep my lungs inflated they kept collapsing okay they would get tears in them holes in them from the covid attacking my my lung lining and they did three procedures called fluidesis 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 where they put the some kind of powder in there that just burns what it does is it burns the lining of your lung to make it irritated and swell, hoping that when it swells, that powder will make the lung stick where it's supposed mm. to. And it's extremely painful procedure. Mm. 
And you have to be awake for that. And it lasts an hour and 20 minutes because Mm -hmm. they have to inject that powder that starts burning your lungs. And then you have to be rolled from side to side to make sure it gets all in there. And it didn't work. Didn't work. So what are the doctors and nurses telling y'all? Well, every time I, you know, yes, I had faith, but as a nurse, I wanted, I wanted some numbers. I wanted mm-hmm. some, some medical expertise and they would just say, Loretta, we're sorry, but we just don't know. COVID is so new. And honestly, we don't have, or we haven't had a patient as sick as Jeff make it this far. Mm. So every day was a new road. Yeah. And and the thing about it is we would make three or four steps forward and I had it in my mind how things were going to go. We're going to keep progressing. And then his lung would collapse again and we would have to start all over. Or he um, even got off the vent and was doing so good. His muscles had started working again. He'd started gaining a little strength, had even set up in bed a couple of times and he was had a trach, a tracheotomy, and he was going to have to learn how to eat and drink again. And we had started that pro that process, and he ended up aspirating, which means some of whatever you eat or drink, instead of going down into your stomach, it, you get choked and it goes down into your lungs, and then that will set up infection, and turns into what they call aspiration pneumonia. So he got aspiration pneumonia and went back on the ventilator and i that i was really devastated at that point because i thought you were seeing progress mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then and then he he all of a sudden goes back on the ventilator yeah and what are you thinking jeff oh man (laughs) just a few days after that was the best and worst of the stay and i mean we're we're three weeks to getting out of the hospital we don't know that how many days is this probably you're in? Oh, it was in January. So Yeah, I got out February the twenty fourth. So this was about the first of February. So to to let so our listeners know I've been in there sixty days or better. You actually got out and then had to go back? No, no, no. I, I was still in ICU. I was still in ICU, but I had got so good they were fixing to put me in a private room. Oh, okay. And then I okay. get the out pneumonia. of ICU, yes. out of the hospital. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'm unfollowing. Yeah. And uh, and what was so devastating about that was is I couldn't breathe. I mean, I I told Loretta, I said, you got to have somebody help me. And then it got down to where I just blacked out. Mm. And that's why I say that was the worst day and the best day of my stay. On that day, I cannot breathe. And and I just assumed I died because I just leaned. So just in my mind, I leaned back and I just told God, you know, please forgive me for being so selfish because I've been praying for myself. Please don't let me die. Well, I just, I told him, I said, Lord, I just pray that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And it was just like I blacked out, like I wasn't there no more. And and all of a sudden I come into this bright white room. It's just like a room and I come into it and there's this hand sticking down from the sky from about his wrist down. And all of a sudden I'm a little boy, five years old. Feety pajamas, teddy bear, just happy as I can be. And I reach up and I grab a hold of his pinky finger. And he just walks me across this beautiful green pasture. 
and all I can smell is fresh cut hay. Uh, That's what I love, and he knows that. So, and it, it gets weird along that time. I'm happy. I'm supposed to be dead, yeah. but I'm happy. But he doesn't take me to heaven. He's not showing me any of my people. You know, as you hear these stories, I'm just walking across this beautiful pasture. All of a sudden, I wake up, and Loretta is looking at me in the face. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'm not wanting to be selfish, but I'm not wanting to tell them where I've been. Yeah, you, you was in a good place. <laughs> wasn't you? Yeah, and the doctors are all in there, and they're looking like, oh, man, we thought you was dead. I'm like, really? I said, I'm not dead. <laughs> and but, three three days has elapsed, and to yeah, him it's I'm 10, 10 minutes. minutes. Oh, and it's oh, been three days. It's been three, three days. days, yeah. And, and my numbers had got down so low, my blood pressure, my heartbeat, you know, and it was down low. And the doctors were so concerned because they've done everything they can medically possible. So three days after this, one of the doctors comes back in and he's like, Jeff, can I ask you a personal question? I said, sure. No, he said, man, what happened? He came real late at night. Yeah, oh, it was late at night. It, it's kind of like the an Nicodemus. after hours visit. Right, yeah, it's right. like the Nicodemus story. You know, he, right, everybody's right. home in bed and he shows up to talk to Jesus. Yeah. But uh, he's like, man, what happened? I've done everything I possibly medically could do for you. And when I left, I knew when I come back that you wouldn't be here. But you're here. What happened? I said, brother, all I can tell you is I've been touched by the hand of God's all I got. And he looked at me and he put his head down and he walked out. But, you know, when I seen him, because I seen him every day, two or three times a day, right. he was smiling for that, from that point on. It touched him, yeah. too, in a certain way. Yeah. Now, what yeah. that's all about, I don't know, but that's, that's how I remember it because that's, my, that's the only reason I'm here today. Right. And, you Jeff, you have, to, you have to realize was pretty much their – prodigy patient or whatever sure. you want to call it. They they said, you know, you are the first thing we talk about in the morning and the last thing we talk about at the end of the day. Okay, where's Bledsoe? How's he, How's yeah. he? you know, what's going on? And these people come to work at 5 o'clock in the morning and don't go home till 7, 8 o'clock at night. Right. They That's rotate. That's how dedicated you know, these people yeah. are. Right. You know. And very, we were blessed with, with let me just say, if you ever need a cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Cacciatolo in Tyler is your man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's good and his that. staff, yes. Yeah. And good. and see, Jeff has no health insurance. And so oh, he's not doing it for money. Matter of fact, we, we finally got his hospital bill and it was $1.4 million. And we saw it online on the little MyChart app, but they never sent us the bill. We never got a paper bill. Really? Never got a bill for that. That and is, that's a miracle too. Holy cow. Yes. Yep. That is a miracle. It is. Wow. What a story. We're just just getting started, yeah. I feel like. Oh, yeah. We're talking to Jeff and Loretta Bledsoe uh, here and they're with Oakley Trucking and Jeff spent ninety six days in the hospital with with COVID and the effects after, after. COVID and, mm -hmm. and just talking to them a little bit about their story and what happened, and believe it or not, the blessings that have come out of it. They have. Absolutely. And they, and they keep coming. How, it's, how it's do they? It's not over yet. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just we run into people all the time. Hey, how are y'all doing? You know, can we do anything for you? And, 
you know, oh, we've been praying for you. And that, you know, that's another thing. We had so many people praying for us right. out of country, all states where I have met people. You know, I used to run all over everywhere. And I have friends that are in the missionary deal where they're in Africa, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, they're they're in India. And they got word and, and, somehow. Yeah, oh, and they, yes. Social media or something, mm-hmm. I guess. And they would send me messages on uh, Messenger, you know, from all these other countries. We're praying for you, brother. Hang in there. I saw a video of you. Somebody showed it, Trevor, or somebody showed mm-hmm. it to me, of when you – Started to take your first step. You're on the side oh, of the yeah. bed with a nurse, and yeah. then you had to stop her and pray real quick, and yeah. then get up and take a couple yeah. of steps. Now, when was that along well, the process? Was that I'll, I'll about tell you, where we're that at? was we was yeah about a little bit after the story I just told, and uh, I was sitting on the side of the bed. They had got me up, and they had went to do something. I'm sitting on the side of the bed, and I can't hardly hold myself up. So I close my eyes and I'm sitting there praying. Well, she comes back and she says, Jeff, are you okay? I said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was praying. She said, Lord, that's what I was doing outside the door. I'm like, well, good. Y'all all gather around and let's all pray together because yeah. this is not looking good. Yeah. But I wound up making it to the doorknob that day. Good. I forgot how many steps it was, six maybe. But the day before, I had made four, two forward and two backward to get back in the bed. <laughs> because so. you have to remember, during during this whole uh, process of him being on the ventilator, even though they were giving him nutrition through a feeding tube in his stomach, he lost 60-something pounds and was literally skin and bone. Yeah, he didn't have 60 to lose. No, mm-hmm. he didn't. didn't. And he um, had bed sores. He... He was just literally looked like a concentration camp survivor. Mm-hmm. He didn't, you know, I remember one day I was giving him a bed bath and I was washing his face and I thought, this feels so foreign because it doesn't feel like Jeff. I felt like I was taking care of a patient. Yeah. And I was blessed that God had given me that background to be able to do those things, but it just didn't feel or look like Jeff. Even his hands didn't look like Jeff's hands. He'd lost so much weight. He'd lost so much weight. The skin would just hang off of him. Mm. And, you know, those times were just heartbreaking. It would just break your heart. I can imagine that you just getting through those days. Well, just simple things I used to do, like on my truck, I'd pop both hinges on that hood and just grab it with one hand and almost break the springs when I flipped it over. I had to get her to help me to open the hood on that truck. That's Here recently, yeah. three weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to go from doing whatever you want to, to you have to have somebody with you to complete the task at hand, that, that was a hard for me to handle. I had was in here one day, and Trevor, your dispatcher at that mm-hmm. time, yeah. I think had found out that, I don't know when part of this story mm-hmm. was, but you had gone septic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Has that already happened in the yeah. part of the story we've told? To, well, of- actually, what happened was I think they thought he had gone septic, okay. but they didn't realize that he actually had aspiration pneumonia. Okay, so that was that mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's kind of where we're that at was in the, the story. first big hiccup that we had. We was doing real good until I got that, and boy, it just yeah. we backed way up. So now we're we're – we the doctors visited you late at night and you mm-hmm. touched his heart yep. and you're starting to walk a little bit mm-hmm. and this is probably day 
60 something, 70 mm-hmm. something. Probably. Yeah. 70 yeah. something. Yeah, something we're like still that. about a month from discharge. And, okay. Which so, we didn't know. We we had right. no idea how long we were going to be and, there. Uh, they wanted me to get in the chair. So I said, You're going to have to get me up. I can't, I can't make the chair. So this big dude, man, he grabs me, puts me in the chair. Well, in the meantime, while he's doing that, he pulled up on me so hard he ripped my lung on the right side. Oh, no. Well, he, he yeah. tugged on the tube. Yeah, the, yeah one the, of the chest the, tubes the that tube, he had. But anyway, I, I'm sitting in the chair, and I'm like, oh. I said, man, I can't breathe. Oh, man, you'll be all right. So, <laughs> you know, I'll get you some more pain meds. So that's what he did. So the next morning, the doctor comes in early, and he's like, man, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know, man. I don't feel right. I can't breathe. I, you know, he said, man, oh. okay, I'll be back here in a little bit. Because they took an x-ray every single morning of my chest just to see where all the others were at. So he comes in about 1.30 and he's like, Jeff, you've got a tear in your lung on the right side. Oh, no. I don't know where it's come from, but there's a pinhole in it. So the tear, don't let that scare you. That was just a tissue, but there is a hole in it. And it's so small, I can't pinpoint it. So I had to go to the CT scan. So the guy puts it in while I'm in the CT. Chest tube. A chest tube. Another chest tube. <laughs> you know, because he's got a big picture of it, and he don't want to poke it in the wrong place. Oh, yeah. So we had that done, and I got to where I could breathe in. Well, maybe two days goes by, and he says, what's well, all healed up? And they pull it out. Oh, I've still got one on my right side that is big around as my pinky finger. Uh. And I mean, it is painful. They go in about yeah. two foot. That's she how has much a video of the tube is. How long it takes for it Golly. to come out. <laughs> yeah. But it was just constant care. Every, and there was something happened every day. Seemed like, you so know. So you're, you're, you're still thinking you don't know if you're going. It could any day. Get out of I here. I mean, yeah. So, and uh, they have an atrium that they have these tubes hooked to. And they bubble. And it's water and it's air coming out of your lungs. Well, this thing looks like a jacuzzi, and you can hear it just bubbling and carrying on. Pulling the air out of his leaking lungs. Where it's not supposed to be. And he he kept telling me, hey, when this quits, we'll send you home. Or when it calms down, well, I can hear it. I don't have to, which I can't bend over and look at it. It's kind of under the bed, but I'm like, I can hear this thing. It sounds like a roaring river. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> so, right. you know, and, and I'm just going to have to give all the glory to God on this one because... I prayed one day, and it was like a Wednesday. I get out Monday. So this is how tight this is running. They're saying, hey, if it calms down, we'll send you home with them tubes. And I keep telling Rita, I'm not going home with these tubes. You know, they're just too painful. And if you turn the wrong way, it's jabbing you. But but I just prayed, and it was on Wednesday night. I said, Lord, if it's your will, would you just please stop the bubbling where they can pull that tube out? Well, he comes in Thursday and he's like, hey, that thing's a whole lot better than it was yesterday. I said, really? He said, yes, it's not hardly bubbling at all. So they come in Friday. Hey, it has quit bubbling. We're going to pull your chest tube out. And they did. And we go home Monday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it wasn't over then. (laughs) No, it wasn't. This Uh -uh. This is, you didn't have, did you have to go back? No, but I went home. And I wound up getting sick. From all the medicines they had given him. They gave him so many antibiotics that um, it killed all the good bacteria in his colon. And so the bad bacteria just went rampant. It's called C. diff. Mm. And it gives you horrendous diarrhea where you just 
everything you eat literally just goes right through you. Mm -hmm. And he was so weak, even when we were discharged or he was discharged, that I would have to walk behind him with a walker because he would stumble and go to fall backwards mm -hmm. and wasn't strong enough to hold himself upright. And so for the first probably 30 days that he was out of the hospital, I mean, we were stuck together like glue. There was a lot of things that he couldn't do for himself. But anyway, after we realized that this just wasn't some normal diarrhea or gastrointestinal problems, they figured out that he had C. diff and gave him some medicine for that. So even even at home, the first 30 days was up and down and back mm -hmm. and forth. Debating and, on whether you need to go back or not. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I'm and, not wanting to go back. And he had <laughs> lost what little bit of strength he had in the hospital and, and even more weight, you know? Mm. And so it was just the whole thing. I can only equate it to a huge roller coaster, man. You have really high highs and really low lows yeah. and you just have to hang on for the ride because just when you think you have it figured out and how it's yeah. going to go, you are so mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, it throws you a curve. It, it does. It does. And he had gotten so weak when he first woke up from the ventilator, he was not even strong enough to move his fingers. Uh, he could. He was basically a total bed care patient. Um, well, I mean, after 90 days mm -hmm. in the hospital, in the hospital bed, mm -hmm. and, you know, not hardly yeah. doing, I mean, he, doing anything. Yeah, you can't they do had anything. me that way because of my lungs. Yeah. You know, and they kept wanting to get me up. But like I say, the one time they got me up and put me in a chair, yeah. it, it ripped my lungs. So he was like, well, this is a bad idea. So right. they didn't do that no more. So. I still remember the first day Jeff was able, he would lay in the bed, you know, with his palms up, just laying there and he would watch TV. And, and the sedation meds hadn't completely gotten out of his system. So he was just kind of blank in his affect. And I remember the day that he turned his hand over. I jumped up off the little cot I was on and I was like, do that again. <laughs> and, and you know, he really wasn't strong enough to do it a second time until he rested. I mean, and that's the point of weakness that we had to come back from. And, and that, I mean, that, that you don't realize how much strength it takes just to talk, mm -hmm, to exactly. breathe, to move your hands, to do yep. things. I, I guess it, it's humbled a grown man, hasn't it? It humbled me more than I've ever been humbled before. I look at everybody I meet totally different. Totally yeah, and different. we and we, you know, stress can make people nippy, or you know, and we've spent all this time together, cooped up in this little hospital room, and it's not comfortable for either one of us by any means. But we really learned how to give each other grace. Exactly. You know, you're nippy. That's okay. I'm gonna pray for you. you yeah. Know? Instead <laughs> yeah. of me getting nippy back. Yeah. Right. You know, or vice versa, because I was yeah. nippy yeah. too. And we really learned the importance, even after being married for as many years as we've been married, we really learned how to be graceful with each other. And, you know, we've we've always said that we wanted to be able to just spend time together because he's been on the road for so many years. I was staying home, raising the kids and then just about the time we got all our last one just moved out not too long before this. And 
So, you know, you got to be careful what you ask for. <laughs> you got to <laughs> but, spend a lot of time. Together. And yeah. still, you know, still, even even now, he's I'm able to go out and do a few things and go to the river and and just reset myself mentally, physically and emotionally. And, you know, it has to be hard on him because he's not strong enough to do any of yeah. those things yet. But you look good. You, well, you look great. I, so I've come what, a long way. I was going to say, I what kind of weight? Doctor Wednesday, mm -hmm. this last Wednesday, I'm at 182 pounds. Nice. When I went in, I was 209. I probably should have been about 200. So she told me, let's just stop right here <laughs> and see if we can plane it out and slow it down because eating everything, I can get my hands on. 182 pounds now, gaining a little pounds. bit of strength back. You yep. were at, what was your lowest weight? In the 140s. We don't yeah, know exactly. 150 is what I remember. Wow. But I was way sicker before they told me that, you right. know, so I lost it real quick. So you got home, you spent a month glued together, you're mm -hmm. you're getting to where you're eating a little better, getting yep. your meds right. Yep. Getting my are, appetite back and things are getting a little mm -hmm. bit better uh, week by week. I know you said earlier, you know, that is either you or, or a doctor told you to don't look at it day by day. Oh yeah. Look yep. at it week by they week. They told me that from the get go. Cause by talking with me when I got my voice back, they could tell, you know, kind of who I was and Loretta tells on me pretty often but he would tell me look man this go-getter stuff's not going to get this all this going to do is get you depressed and wish you was somewhere else you know said take it week to week take it easy you know if you feel like you need to rest rest well that wasn't in my dna no. before i just went at it you know i know what he's talking about you know i'll have a busy day and the next day i may just have to sit in the recliner all day all day. All day. Like, cause we, day, we usually stay pretty active on weekends mm -hmm. because our kids, you know, are, are free on weekends and we do a lot of things with our church. And so he usually is pretty active on Saturday yeah. and Sunday, sometimes even Friday. And then he'll, it'll take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of resting mm -hmm. to, to build that strength back up. Are yeah. your lungs building back up? Yeah, though? they are, but it's a slow process. Like, they're still a little tight, and yeah. that's from the ribs and muscles, but it's about time that I start exercising because before I, I didn't have nothing to exercise with. Yeah. So I'm going to start exercising. I got me a bicycle. <laughs> I bought it way back when I first got out of the hospital, one of them stationary bicycles. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sitting over. It looks good. <laughs> I think I've been on it three times, about three minutes. I'm like, whoo, this is no good. Well, I, uh, but I bet you'll get back to it. I will. I, and I want to. The want to is there. And uh, I pull a hopper here, and uh, I unlatched that handle the other day. I was going to roll that tarp over. Mm. No, it looked good hanging there when yeah. I finally let go of it. And you know what? That's sad to me, which is not sad what I've been through, but you can't raise the hood on your truck. Yeah. And you can't unroll your tarp, you know? And to me, that was just easy. That wasn't no yeah. effort needed. You could do that in your sleep, you know? We just roll that baby right over yeah. and I can't even turn it. And Jeff's, Jeff's identity has always been strongly tied to his work and his work ethic. He, he for many years has been a, a workaholic and you know, even before this had said, you know, we're going to not, not always do the extra, extra load every week and start spending some time together, taking a few trips here and there and, 
you know, he's just always been so work minded that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How old are you, Jeff? I'm a 57. Seven. I just had a birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah, well, Happy thank birthday. you. I'm, you know, it, I'm it, glad to be here. I know you, you, you're just so people know he, you're not back to driving yet. No. Uh-uh. He, he's not no. strong enough, not no. where you can do it yet. Mm-mm. But you have got somebody in your truck. I do. And yep. well, that, I guess we started out two months ago, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, right at that. We had a, a yeah. I got good a guy here. That real friend nice of yours young that, man. Yeah. yeah, his dad. We've been friends for 30 some odd years, I guess, known each other. And and how that happened, he called me one day because I guess they had been talking about it, wanting to help me out is how it started. And he said, uh, what do you think about him driving your truck? I said, well, I hadn't thought about it because I didn't know it was an option. And I, and I really didn't. So I called Scott and he made a few phone calls and was no problem. He's already driving Bobby's truck. So he just right. was able to step in mine and he's been doing us an excellent job. That's, I'm sure yeah, that's an excellent a job. Lot, yeah. yeah. And he is a real nice young man. And that's another God thing. You know, I, some people may get tired of hearing me say that, but how else does that happen? Yeah. I mean, just out of the blue one day, you get a phone call. And other people have been thinking about you and what you're in and know because they do what I do that that truck's just sitting there. You know, it's not making no money. And what's bad about being a truck owner is, is the bills never stop. You can park it all you want to, but everything else keeps coming. And and Oakley has treated us great on that. And that's another God thing. You know, it just, I can't thank him enough and give him enough glory, but I have to thank Oakley too. You know, like when, when I did get sick and, and I hadn't talked to these guys in a couple of days because I was so sick and, you know, they're calling my wife. You know, a lot of them didn't have her phone number, but they found it and they called her. Hey, can we do anything for you? Yeah. You know, how bad is Jeff? What's going on? And, and like I say, the money just started coming. Yeah. I had two or three truck payments made. I don't know who done it. The bank won't tell me because they didn't want to be recognized. Right. But I thank them too, you know, and that's, that is awesome. That's an awesome testimony to the drivers that I work with. Yeah. Well, you're one of them. And we got some good people at Oakley trucking, including you and, and uh, and a lot of people, you know, you just, it's, it gives them an opportunity to do good things that that a lot of people want to do. And there's a lot of people in the world that want to do good things. They do. I mean, and Jeff's used to be in the giver, not the receiver. Yeah, right. But yeah, you know, we've always done this. I, I've always. had to tell him, you know, don't block other people of the blessing of helping because yeah, exactly. they're going to get blessed yeah. for that. And exactly. so it's been a little bit easier for him to accept in that mindset. Well, that, it's in the the humble. I've been humbled to let people help me. You know, because God is touching their heart to help me. Why would I want to block that? Because I don't right. like it when people try to block me when I go to help That's them, right. you know. So, so tell me, you said you, you've preached twice mm-hmm. yeah, since, since you this. got to feeling bad. Tell, yeah. tell me, what, how'd that go? And well, what I got to know, what did you preach on? Okay. Well, I don't know if I can remember or not. <laughs> he does a Bible study every morning. And so yeah. sometimes he, sometimes it's a lot to do with it. But this, this last time I preached was on Jehovah Jireh. Now, there's a story behind that, which Jehovah Jireh means the God that provides. And it starts with Abraham mm-hmm. sacrificing Isaac. 
Well, taking him son. Yeah, getting right up to to the point. Right. And, you know, he looks up and there's a ram stuck in the bush. Okay, well, let's back up a little bit and think about that. This ram's coming up the backside of that mountain. Is Abraham's getting Isaac ready to sacrifice? Well, that's why God doesn't always let us know what's going on. Because what would Abraham have done if he knew that ram was coming up the backside of that mountain? It wouldn't have taken now, the faith. His faith was so strong that he knew if he did kill Isaac, that God would resurrect him. Mm-hmm. That's what brought him to this point. Same way mm-hmm. with Gideon, you know. And I told the story of Gideon, you know, he takes 30,000 Mennonites out with 300 guys. And his faith is so strong by the time this happens, he's like, hey, if any of y'all got something else you'd rather do or if you're afraid or you don't want to fight, y'all go on home. We got this. Yeah. Now, see, and he built this faith in these men over a a short period of time. And uh, it's just like us out here on the road. A lot of times we're in such a hurry. I don't have time. But what I have found when I have stopped to help someone or if I've just talked to someone or just listened to someone, you can pretty much tell I have never lost that time. I've never been late to deliver, but I've done what God wanted me to. Stop and pray with somebody, a total stranger at a truck stop. They're just, they just need someone to know that, that somebody cares, yeah. you know. Well, that's the point of, of my sermon was, is if we will trust God, He will provide. And that's where I was humbled in this whole experience that one night when I was praying, I learned to trust God. I always said I trusted God, but I never really had to. I had to trust Him this time because I couldn't do nothing. You thought couldn't you use were... my body. I, I couldn't do nothing. You thought you were strong in faith. I did. Until you. Until it was tested. Until it was tested. <laughs> yes, sir. And, <laughs> and me as well. I remember yeah. one day, and I showed Jeff when we went to Tyler the other day, exactly on the road where God spoke to me. And it was on one of my trips where I was just going to get to see him through the glass. And I was just, you know, it was the day after the young man prayed for me. I don't guess you've ever life. seen him again, have you? No. <laughs> no. And I was thinking about that interaction and what boldness it took for a complete stranger or if God sent me an angel, whatever it was, the boldness of that person to reach out, not even knowing me or knowing my uh strengths or weaknesses or how much I believed in God or didn't, you know. And so I was traveling along and I I began to think about Jeff's medical condition and the report I had gotten the night before was not a good report. And I was, my heart was just real heavy. And God spoke to me and said, trust me. And I thought, well, God, I do trust you. And he's like, trust me. And, and I realized in that instance that saying I trusted God did not mean I was going to get the outcome that I wanted. I had to trust that no matter what the outcome was, that God would sustain me. And so that has oh, yeah. been a real point. You know, I have had people message me or even call me, talk to me in person. My loved one has COVID. Please tell me, what did y'all, what did y'all pray? What did you do? How, you know, in their 
mindset of wanting to know what they could do to get the same outcome that we had. You know, I just had to let them know. I just had to trust that God would sustain me no matter what he chose. What the outcome was. What the outcome mm-hmm. was. That's yeah. that. That's the next step there. Mm-hmm. You get that mm-hmm. step farther when you're fully trusted, you know, in, in him then at mm-hmm. that point because you didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, mm-hmm. and things were not looking good. Yeah. No. But now you're preaching. Yeah. Back to you preaching. got two in it. So what's, got two what, in. Yeah. What's the uh, future hold? Ah. <laughs> I heard God tell me three times while I was down with the COVID to preach, and that's the only word I heard. And then he gave me Psalms 91 one night. That's all he said, Psalm 91. Well, I asked Loretta, I said, could you read that? Because at the time, I couldn't pick my Bible up. Mm. It was too heavy. And I went, well, weighs five pounds, but I couldn't hold it up to read right. it. And uh, so she read it to me. And, uh, you know, it, it speaks of God being our provider, our protector, everything you know get under my wings i will protect you just trust in me and the crazy part about that is (laughs) when he was still on the ventilator and out i read psalms 91 to him many times Mm -hmm. many times and even when i was at home and the nurses would facetime so i could at least see him i would have them hold the phone and i would recite psalms 91 and pray that prayer over him Uh, Psalms 91, you know, was written by David and it just talks about how God loves us enough that he's going to take care of us, going to, going to protect us. And I had no idea he, you know, she had done that. And also when he was still on the ventilator, being a nurse, I know that they balance those drugs so delicately to where you're just sedated, but you're not, you know, too far or too little. And so sometimes patients will begin to wake up while they're on sedation. You know, they may open their eyes and look around, but then they know they need to bump mm-hmm. the drugs up a little bit. So I went and bought a little CD player and, and I had the nurses take it in his room and tune it to the local Christian radio station because I wanted him to have that comfort if he woke yeah. up because our Christian music, we love it and has gotten us through some really hard times and, so I did that and I also put some pictures, you know, and, and also I, we believe, and we believe it because the Bible says it, that at the name, at the mention of Jesus's name, Satan has no choice but to flee. And so I thought, I want this Christian, I want the whole room to be yeah. full yeah. of Jesus. Screaming Jesus. Yes. Screaming Jesus. <laughs> That's it. And, and one nurse, when I gave her the radio for her to take in, I said, you know, my husband's a minister. And she said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew he was. He just has minister written all over him. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. Yeah, it is. Do y'all still hear from them? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, daily. Daily. And and there's actually. We're friends with them on Facebook. um, We're big Facebook people. That's how we keep up with them. There's one that, you know, this was during the peak of the pandemic and they were having agency nurses come from all over. And he had this one (laughs) special nurse and we love so many of them, but she was from Atlanta, Georgia, and they work six days a week, 12 hours a day. So they're here basically only to work and sleep. And she was his night shift nurse. And they try to give nurses the same patients day after day. So you get that continuity yeah. of care. And she called him Paw Paw. And uh, 
I would call to get an update and uh-huh. she said, oh, Papa's doing good, you know, and well, her contract ended, but he had waking up during this. Uh, mm-hmm. He was awake after that and off the ventilator. And she, you know, she said, I have to leave and, you know, go back home. But I I want to know how he's, you know, I want to keep in contact. And so every so often she'll send me a message, say, how Papa doing? That's great. <laughs> and we went down there Monday. I had a friend that was having cancer surgery. And that we went down and we got to see a lot of a lot of the, sure yes, did, yeah. like a reunion. They said, like a reunion. What yeah. are you doing, taking a victory lap around <laughs> here? <laughs> yeah, nurse. Uh, and we actually saw the nurse practitioner Brandy, mm-hmm. that was you know there with us in the All trenches the daily. She was, she would get the job to come in and tell us what was fixing to happen. Mm. You know, right. no matter yeah. how bad it was, you know, and she was always honest. When she went to do that one procedure, she said, now, Jeff, this is going to hurt worse than anything that's ever happened. Are you ready? I said, yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Mr. Tough Guy, (laughs) I wasn't ready. (laughs) That's when it lasts, what, an hour and 26 minutes? I was just, you know, just hanging on because it hurt worse than anything I ever had What would you do without this one? I'd just been done. I mean, it sounds like, Rita, you have done so much. That's why I tell people it's this just is her story. amazing story, story yeah. that what she has gone well, through, too. The I faith mean. that she had to show right. with me out and her being my better half, having to take care of all our business, plus try to take care of me. And she come down almost every day. And our kids and, were devastated. And couldn't see too. me. I mean, she could just look through the window. How many people do that? Right. Yeah. Well, I can't see him. I'm not going to go. It's a waste of time. You know, mm just every chance she was. As soon was. as the door cracked, she moved in. That's it. Yep. <laughs> and and I'm so thankful, which I'll just say there's a couple of times that I don't know how it would have come out if she hadn't have been there. There was one time yeah. that his he he had the trach, so the tube wasn't down his mat, going through his mouth. It was hooked to that hole in his throat. And somehow he had so much secretions that it got stopped up. And I was asleep on the on the little couch thing it was during the night and the only way you can make sound when you have a trach is if you block that off well it had gotten clogged up had a got clog in it and he was suffocating mm. and it blocked it off enough that he was able to say Lorita and when he said my name I popped up and I was like what and he said hurry I can't breathe I can't breathe and I was in a dead sleep and so I was just kind of panicked and not really knowing if I was dreaming or what was happening. And so I pushed the alarm button and everybody came running in. And of course, all they had to do was pop that off to get it unoccluded. But it, there was that time. I mean, if I hadn't have been in the room, yeah. Yeah. his oxygen saturation would have had to have dropped low enough and them realize it on the monitors outside. You know, anyway, there were several times that I thought to myself, what do people do? that don't have a loved one in the room staying with them yeah Yeah. and that's like the button you know you push to call the nurse i couldn't push he couldn't push the button so that wasn't doing no good yeah (laughs) so (laughs) if she hadn't been there i had a little bell I had my daughter get me a little bell at the dollar store where I could, and it, he, sound, it didn't make much he noise. But, well, he couldn't even hardly ring the bell, but he yeah, could tap it. Yeah, I could know? tap it on something. And so that's our little souvenir from yeah. this whole hospital thing was the little, 
Oh, he got to where he could ring it pretty he good. Could. Yeah. Yeah. That's when they took it away from me. <laughs> oh, but, man. No, well, it's, it's wonderful to have a helpmate like I've got because I don't know what I'd do without her. Well, and it's, it's, it's good to hear mm-hmm. such a good story. Yeah. You know, a, a bad story, but a, a good story. Mm-hmm. And we all know and that a lot of stories don't turn out. No, that's true. That's good. And, that's true. And, and y'all have y'all have been through a heck of a we ordeal. Have. And it's just, I'm glad that, you know, you came and shared it with us yeah. and, and tell about your story yeah. and your feelings and, yeah. you know, open it up to people that want to sure. listen to it. And I think sure. it's great testimony. I mean, of your marriage, sure. of your faith. It's just yes. fantastic. Story. And they're saying the end of the summer, when, when they sent us home from Tyler that day, they said, you know, by the end of the summer that he'll be as close to pre-COVID as he's probably going to get and which they think will be pretty close to pretty, you know, he may have some um, deficiencies in his lungs where he may get out of breath if he really exerts himself, yeah. but though the lungs will eventually get stronger than they are now because they're still pretty weak. Yeah. But as long as they continue to get stronger. Yeah. So. We got a good report Wednesday. You know, it's real uplifting from the doctor. She's like, "Hey, you're right on schedule. You, everything's looking good." So we just have to be patient. Yeah, just be patient. Can't and, wait to get back in that truck. Uh, I don't know. It's bittersweet. <laughs> <laughs> We've no, enjoyed really. the time together. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yeah. And that's another thing we learned is to try, even though things may not be perfect, enjoy the season you're in. Yep. Yeah. We right. even did date night in the hospital. You know, we'd get popcorn and watch a, a movie and and we just tried to enjoy just each make other the best of what you got wherever you're at and whatever the season yeah that's so we had date night in same ICU. way with the truck <laughs> you know that's all i've ever done is drove that old truck and i want to get back in it and conquer it because i've been in it twice it wasn't good i had to get out of it which yeah. i never did move it but i just wasn't strong enough to he couldn't hold the clutch couldn't hold popped. the clutch in right yeah, that clutch is pretty stout. Yeah, on that I was truck. gonna say those ain't and, easy uh, to do. I went, I, I got it pushed in. I put the truck in reverse, which I'm in this big giant parking lot, nobody around me. And uh, I went to let out on it. It come on out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, anyway, I'm getting stronger, and and the doctors know what I'm up against, and they're gonna let me know when I'm medically sound to go, and and I will be physically able, or I won't get in it. Because I don't want to be a danger to nobody. No, we look forward yeah. to, forward to you getting back. Yeah, here. and I look forward to getting back to work. I really do. Well, I appreciate y'all coming. Well, appreciate I thank you, you for asking here. me to come up. I, I never thought of it. I think it's a great story. Yeah. And, you know, uh, hopefully our listeners will enjoy it. I hope they I, do. I, I bet yeah. they will. And if y'all got any comments on the podcast and want to get in touch with Jeff or Loretta, send me a comment and we'll put you in touch with them. And Absolutely. Of course, I'm sure they can find you on Facebook too. Oh, yeah. We're both on Facebook. So we can check them out on there too. So. Yep. All right. Well, th- anything else y'all like to share before we're done? I guess that's it. Good stuff, man. I appreciate yep. y'all coming. Well, appreciate you everybody. You bet. Appreciate everybody uh, listening to the Oakley podcast. And if you got any questions, let us know, man. We look forward to it every week, bringing you something Amen. new. And uh, this was definitely a new one for y'all. So. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Oakley Podcast, Trucking, Business, and Family. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate or review the show in the podcast platform of your choice and share it with a friend. We love hearing from our audience, so if you've got a question, comment, or just want to say hello, head over to our website, theoakleypodcast.com, and click the Leave a Comment button. 
We'll get you a response soon and may even share some of the best ones here on the show. We'll be back with a fresh episode very soon. Thanks for listening.